All right, welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy, back with you on our well semi regular day. I don't know, man. It's been it's been weird. Like I'm I'm formulating college football ranking systems, and I'm listening to to like old Genesis records. Uh, like it's it's starting to get to me, boys. How about you? I I have watched as much old baseball as possible. That's my only say. Giving grace at this moment. Okay, define old. Uh, well, I mean, I wouldn't say old. I would say the oldest thing I've ever watched probably this week. I've watched, I think, from the 1970s. And then this morning, I've watched about as much of the 2001 World Series as I could possibly handle. I can't, but, even. Uh, I can't but even with that one. That's, that's how we're going. Yeah, I can't I can't do the 2001 World Series. It hurts too much. It hurts. Well, I, I know. But just today, Jeffrey, I watched Game 4 and Game 5 on my own, and then the Game 7 was re-airing on OB Networks. So I watched it, too. It's just, oh, your wow. Game 7, all you have to do is turn it off That's... Uh, after the bottom of the 8th. That's all you got to do. No, I, I can't. I just can't. What about you, Eric? I know you've been, you've been, you've been, listen, everybody listening to this show, Eric has been a model citizen, all right? He has... <laughs> he's been you've been you've been at home you take you, your mom's there with you you're taking care of her you have been you have been on lockdown literally yeah I, I could tell you the last time i went out was about 20 some days ago the last time i had any physical contact with anybody physically was about 27 28 days ago so yeah i couldn't uh we're locked in here in the house we uh, have everything delivered. We tell the people that deliver stuff to stay outside as we live. Uh, here you go, Jeff. You'll like this. Land of confusion. Huh? Little Genesis. Yeah. Music, huh? <laughs> uh, that, that's we're, we're, we're part of right there just to kind of go under that. And then uh, I'm currently in the middle of simulating the rest of the 2020 college softball season. That's right. Okay. I announced that on my In the Circle podcast. So we will have a 2020 softball season, boys. This is this is the world we live in, and these are the hands we're given. Um, That's right, yeah. The on, uh, jump on the Genesis bandwagon, maybe. I, I did what not the, iconic bands. Okay, sure. That's subject, been, that's subjective. I I said I said earlier on Twitter. I said I said what have you been doing? I've been formulating a college football ranking system that Eric already told me he doesn't like. Uh, <laughs> The uh, I've been I've been trying to I, I've been trying to use my spare time to get back on the fitness train. All right, so I'm doing some body weight exercises. I already feel a little healthier, you know. I, I'm trying to do that, although I've been eating like crap, so it's probably just evens out. And exactly. then uh, and I've been trying to uh, what do you call? It? I've been listening to like Peter Gabriel era Genesis records. You know, it's it's uh, you know I'm trying to figure out time signatures. You know, it's, it's hey, I've been pitching loony. UCF content ideas off of the you know. I know I, I've been, you know, I'm, we've I'm been trying everybody. We're we're working. I I feel like we're still kind of in shock, you know, it, it, that over everything. But it was, but we I we got some stuff coming for you that we're that hopefully we're gonna like. And it's been, you know, it's been a while. There's not much. Like I said, you know, we a lot of our site is site's time has been spent, you know, doing news and like we don't, you know, there's not a lot of news, but um, but we are going to talk about some news tonight, though. We really haven't done news in the in the past much. We don't do a lot of news stuff. Like if something happens, well, we don't report it as is. We just sort of do takes on it, or we'll do an idea off of it. But we don't really report the news and well, just post it. Have, but listen, don't 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 rain on your own parade here, Murphy. Well, we well, do have news so, right now. If you go to blackandgoldbanneret.com, you would see 
Brian Murphy's one-on-one with UCF men's basketball coach. Well, that's John not Hawkins. that's not that's not news though. I that was just an interview that I did. Like that's a, that's more news that came out of that, which we'll get into on this episode, okay. right, Jeff? Well, okay, okay. Well, all right, I'll give you Brian. I'll give you this. It's not a Murph oh, bomb. It's not a Murph bomb at all. No, but nothing is. It's it, we've seen some Murph bombs on occasion. Uh, Stop it, God. Right. <laughs> You're making quarantine worse. I just love it. I, I love that term. It sounds so much better than Woj Bomb. All right. Here's what uh, we're going to talk about a couple things here. First of all, the NCAA eligibility waivers uh, are, are are coming out for the spring sports. We're going to talk about that for a little bit. And then uh, we're also going to talk about uh, what's been kind of the talk here about college football season and will it happen in the fall at all? Uh, a lot of administrators, I think, smartly are trying to are, are preparing for the possibility that it may that it may not happen. What's going to happen after that? So we'll get to that in the second half of the show. But the first half of the show, we're going to talk about the NCAA um, making a wise decision. Uh, of course, uh, uh, this is from Billy Witz of the New York Times. The Division One Council voted uh, earlier this week on Monday to open the door to another year of eligibility for all spring sport athletes whose seasons were cut short by the coronavirus outbreak. But whether an athlete is able to return will largely depend on the decisions by universities, which will determine how much scholarship aid to offer and whether to apply for an individual uh, to receive an NCAA waiver allowing an additional season. For example, a college could allow an athlete's eligibility to be restored on the condition that the athlete pays some or all of the cost of attendance. This applies to sports like baseball, softball, golf, tennis, lacrosse, track and field, uh, beach volleyball, and rowing. Those sports were shut down on March the 12th. Um, uh, winter sports are not getting that extra eligibility. So that's your basketballs, gymnastics, wrestling, and others in, in other sports. But um, all right, so Murph. Yes. Good call by the NCAA to do this for the spring athletes, but it still feels like there's some holes here. What were your first impressions of it? Well, it's it's the feel it's it's a feel good measure, right? I mean, you have a, a bunch of kids who uh, let's just take UCF baseball for example. Gee, I wonder why I picked that one. Uh, no. Where if you even <laughs> just if you if you assume that not only do they play some conference tournament, but they 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 probably make the regionals as well, that they barely played a third of their season, right? I mean, they barely played, they played really less than a third of their regular season. Right. They didn't even get so, to conference play. Exactly. So for those kids to get an extra year, obviously makes a lot more sense than for the winter sports athletes, uh, which, you know, for basketball, a lot of conferences finished their conference tournament already by the time that everything was shut down. So that makes it really difficult. But it, 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 on, the, on the surface, and I'm writing about this for the website, and I hope to have this uh, posted on Friday, just about the ins and outs of this whole agreement, decision by the D1 Council to give everyone a extra year. It, it feels good. It feels just. You know, these kids lost a season. They lost any postseason possibility, lost most of their season regardless. So to give them an extra year feels, uh, feels principled and just. Um, however, as you kind of mentioned, Jeffrey – uh, there are some pros, there are some cons, and most of all, there is a ton, a ton of things we just don't know about, uh, yeah. both from a macro point of view as far as the team and the university and a micro point of view as far as how each player, how this affects each player. Yeah, I, I was a little 
worried about that. You know, the NCAA obviously wants to remember. It's a. I keep saying this. Everyone thinks it's it's a it's an absolute monarchy, and it's not. It's a federal organization. Okay, and they're allowing the colleges to figure out whether or not they have the um, the funding to you know fully fund everybody who's everybody's scholarship for this additional year because the scholarship counts are going to be crazy. The rosters, I think, are probably going to be just as crazy. Um, but at least they're they're opening the door to saying, look, okay, we're going to allow everybody to have an extra year It's it, it, who's, who are spring athletes. That's totally, that's totally fine. But you guys figure it out from here. Well, yes, mostly that. So, the 11 so for again for baseball it's they give out 11.7 scholarships not 12 they give out 11.7 that 11.7 allotment is still going to be split uh among your true freshmen and then your returning freshmen juniors uh, freshmen sophomores and juniors the seniors who are seniors this season and then choose to return for their extra year next year they can also get scholarship aid that will not count against the 11.7 limit. However, it is up to the school to decide how much they want, how much aid they want to give each of those seniors. The, the, the options there are they could give as much as they allotted them this season, no more than how much, no more than that, up to, up to how much they got, or they could give them anywhere in between that and zero. They could decide to give them nothing. Um, so again, yes, from a payment standpoint, how you know these universities pay for it? That's sort of an out, and it, it would be kind of a, a, a crappy out. But it, you could say to your senior, like, "Look, uh, we'd love to have you back, but we're actually going to take we're actually going to give you less financial aid this year than you got last year." They are they are within the grounds to do that, mm. um, and, and that opens up a whole lot of things about you know would guys then choose to leave school, transfer? Will we have a one-time transfer window with no penalty? That could be coming in July, which would would make the sport. Uh, um, it would just it would, it would open it up to a to a a hurricane force like of movement uh, among among the players in the sport. And I think that's going to happen too. I think you're going to see that happen, and you're going to see guys transfer all over the place uh, come this summer. Now, well, Murph, uh, and, and I want you to kind of clarify this. One of the things that's not going to help this is the sta- the Major League Baseball draft, which normally. You would lose, you know, one of the reasons why baseball programs bring in a lot of big classes is anticipation of guys leaving, especially underclassmen, to get drafted on a Major League Baseball draft, which I'll let you defer to this. I don't remember what the exact amount of rounds is on a normal year was, but obviously we're not in a normal year. And now correct me if I'm wrong now, as of now, the Major League Baseball draft is scheduled now for July and it's going to be either – is it a five-round draft or a ten-round draft? Because I'm still not 100% sure. Kind of clarify what the status of the Major League Baseball draft is because that also impacts kind of what's going to happen here with the baseball rosters. Right. So a usual baseball draft these days is a 40-round draft that takes place in June. Uh, and then on Friday of last week, uh, it was it was announced that the draft would be no less, no fewer than five rounds. Uh, so at least five rounds – but probably, uh, according to a bunch of people who in the business, probably not more than 10 rounds. So the draft would go from 40 rounds down to about five or 10 rounds, and thus you are really, really cutting into the draft pool. And here's another thing too. Uh, 
if it is a five-round draft, which it very well could be, that might that might only include 180 or 170 players among high school, JUCO, college, uh, you know, uh, eligible players going into the draft. If you are undrafted, meaning if you even go in round six, quote unquote, which previously would have landed you a six-figure slot, uh, it would have been like a six-figure draft slot. You would have gotten, you know, six figures to sign usually in round six through ten. If you are undrafted in those first five rounds and you get drafted after that, you only get $20,000. Um, and so that's another hmm. reason why this is a, a good decision to not only give seniors an extra year, but also juniors. For you look at a guy, I'm going to use this guy as an example, and I think it's a good example. If you look at a guy like Jordan Sinclair, uh, who this year was absolutely dominant for UCF uh, out of the bullpen, and with the stuff he's got, throwing 98 with a really sharp slider, if he had a full season like that, I could definitely see him, you know, working his way into that six through ten round range, maybe even a little bit higher. He is a junior this season, right? But now that he has gotten extra year of eligibility, he has more leverage uh, when it comes to deciding his future. Because if he hadn't got the extra year, then uh, then Jackson Clare, I was just uh, Jackson Clare would have been a senior next year. And it basically would have been left to say, I've only got one year to improve my stock, or I could leave now to get $20,000. But with an extra year, he now has two years to improve his stock, and it gives him a lot more bargaining power uh, as, as, a, as an amateur athlete. So that's one of the reasons why not just seniors, but everybody getting an extra year is, is pretty substantial, because it allows the guys... Uh, who aren't seniors, but who have college, who have professional baseball, like really high-end pro uh, ball uh, dreams, to uh, it gives them more leverage going into the draft. The other uh, thing that I think is pretty interesting, and you mentioned the baseball thing, but the NCAA kind of caught a huge break here by uh, you know by this happening. I mean, all things considered, kind of caught a break by this happening in the spring, because the sports that are going to be Affected, and you talk about the scholarship counts with baseball. It's eleven point seven. Okay, none of the well, excuse me, I, I take that back. Of only very few of the sports are what that have been affected by this are what the NCAA calls a head count sport, where everyone on the roster is under scholarship. Um, <clears throat> for example, uh, tennis on the women's side is a head count sport, but there are only eight slots. Okay. Um, track and field, women's track and field for UCF, that's 18, 18 scholarships. Um, softball, Eric Lopez, is 12. Um, yep. Murph, you mentioned baseball is 11.7. Men's tennis is not a headcount sport. They have four and a half scholarships. Um, so in that respect, uh, golf, by the way, is four and a half on the men's side and six on the women's side. Um, in that respect, guys, the NCAA got lucky and schools like UCF got lucky because those are relatively small numbers that they're going to have to figure out for the 2020-2021 season. Right, Eric? I agree. Now, what's rowing situation? Do you know the off top of your head Ro- the rowing situation? Rowing, I'm actually looking at this. This is according to scholarshipstats.com. Yeah. Women's rowing has 20 scholarships and it is not a headcount sport. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you, Jeff. I think all things considered in the spring, uh, they, they were fortunate in that regard. I think they made the right decision. I know some people are like, well, why didn't they guarantee the financial side of things? But I'm going to defend the NCAA that 
we, nobody knows what the economics are going to look like in the near future or the long future. And I also think, and again, I'm not going to speak for baseball because baseball and Murph has done a great job of explaining it. So yeah, baseball is going to be wild to just see how that all plays out moving forward with future classes being impacted. I mean, how they, the, I, how baseball coaches are going to manage this roster moving forward is going to be fascinating. Uh, but, but yeah, I agree. And, and like, I think like, again, the NCAA, considering the uncertainty of the future with the, the financial deal, losing the NCAA tournament men's uh, basketball championships, which is obviously their big money maker. Uh, I think they made a really good decision. I was actually, I don't know what you guys think. I was surprised that they gave a year to everybody that I thought going in, it was just going to be seniors only. Instead, they gave it to everybody uh, on the roster. That's what I yeah. thought too. Yeah, there were reports from people who were, you know, talking to sources in that council meeting, saying that there was actually a, a bill, a, a building, a, a thought that they actually might give no eligibility to anybody. Um, and so the the thought going in to that meeting was it was either going to go one of two ways: either no one was going to get eligibility or it was going to be seniors only, and you really didn't hear much anybody talk about how everybody might get an extra year. You really didn't hear that that much leading into the meeting. <laughs> Do you yeah. think a part of it was like everyone's like, what? let's see how the NCAA can screw this up? No, I, <laughs> well, I, think, it's, I, think, I think part of it, don't you, I, and I don't know what you guys think about this, part of it might be in the back of their mind is they know, hey, we don't know what's going to happen in the fall, so we need to kind yeah. of set up be consistent here because – we don't know what's going to happen down the road. So if we have to go through this again, let's say in the fall sports, you know, you want to make sure you have a consistent thing. You don't want to do one thing for the spring sports and then you go to the fall, you do something completely different. So I, I think part of it might be let's be consistent what we're going to do. Uh, so uh, I, I was surprised they did everybody, but I'm, I'm fine with it. Now, let me just go speak from the softball standpoint because it's different than baseball and that. I think softball is going to be fine. Now, I've been arguing on the softball podcast this week. We did a big breakdown of it, and I've been disappointed at some of my colleagues out there that have kind of freaked out about it, upset about not getting financial aid guarantee or, oh, this is going to separate the haves and the have-nots. And, and my counter is like, um, what sport are you covering again? Because the haves and have-nots have already been separated. I mean, you could it, it, the big schools are always going to be fine. I actually think this helps everybody as far as mid-major programs and smaller schools because they got a chance to keep their best players. And the thing that I think is overblown, again, baseball aside, the rest of these spring sports, I don't see a lot of the seniors, for example, coming back. And the reason is in softball, there is no Major League Baseball draft to look forward to, that you're aspiring to. Uh, you could say, well, there's the NPF draft, but that doesn't make a ton of money. A majority of seniors that are in softball are already looking ahead to life either away from softball, getting a real job, moving home, or trying to get a job in softball. So a lot of times what happens is they already have something lined up that they can't really just push to the side. So I think what's going to happen, for example, in softball, I think the marquee players are going to come back but I think the players that weren't playing much, if you're a senior, you're not going to come back if you've got your degree. So I don't think, and I and I threw this out there, I think 50%, 50-50 of the seniors uh, will be back in softball. So I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal that pe some people think. I think some people have in their mind, well, everybody's going to come back. 
I don't believe that every student athlete is just going to come back because they have that extra year. Some will just not even use it. Well, the other factor too, Eric, is is this. Consider that the the, the student athletes they're still going to class, right? They're they you know the they're still you know att- you know getting their credit hours done. They might be remotely, but what have you. It's just that it's just the athletic eligibility that we're talking about here. Now, those seniors who would have graduated this spring, they would be grad students next year. And this is where the I think the financial thing comes into play that the NCAA is kind of letting the universities figure it out is what are they going to do? Are they going to take master's classes? And, you know, we all know that the per credit hour tuition price for master's classes is much greater than it is even at a play, even at a large public school like UCF is yeah. much greater uh, than than bachelor's level classes. So. You know, it, it kind of gives the schools. This seems a little diabolical when you think about it, but it kind of gives the schools the ability to say, "Hey, look, you know, we'll let you back, but you kind of got to. You, you can pay. Look, this is just this is just spitballing here, but you, you will have to pick up the difference of the cost between a bachelor between your bachelor's credit hours and your master's credit hours. You see what I mean? The only relief that was offered and granted is eligibility. Right. There is no guarantee. There is no guarantee that any of these seniors receive scholarship aid or a roster spot. That is not guaranteed. What is guaranteed right. is that they have another year of eligibility. That's the only thing. Two quick parts to that that, that are related to what I'm going to say. I talked to Greg Lovelady recently. Before this is before the vote came down, but within the last couple of weeks, and I asked him about this because I expected the seniors to get another year. And for UCF baseball, there were four seniors on this year's team. All of them were redshirt seniors. Uh, and so they'd already been in college baseball for five years. And I asked them, do you think uh, those seniors could take it, were, were in a position to take advantage of another year if they were granted it? Because, I mean, let's be honest, guys. Uh, could you, you know, some, 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 some of these kids possibly could not come, afford to come back for a sixth year uh, of college athletics. And so, yeah, he did say that, that, that for, to, according to him, he did say that there are options for everyone to come back. Some kids are in master's programs. Some kids could prolong those master's programs or start another one. Uh, so he said that, 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 and this was this was early on. So things might have changed since a couple of weeks ago. But just in ter- just in terms of UCF, he did say that those guys have options to come back. But I think for and but Eric is right. For a lot of seniors, they're they're just not going to be able to because you're, they're they're already talking about you know going. They already, they already had a job lined up somewhere, or they they've been interviewing for jobs anyway, or they had a master's program lined up in another school somewhere. They can't afford to come back, so it's nice, but they're not gonna be able to t- t- take use of this. Yeah. Well, and let and, me let, let's make this clear. Let me make this clear too, because uh, I've spoken to about ten softball head coaches this week. Obviously, for my softball podcast from different leagues, Power Five, mid majors, and all that. None of them, by the way, for the record, UCF. I have not talked to Coach Bear. Uh, she's actually, I believe, about two weeks away from giving birth uh, as we record this. So I'm giving them their space, and, you know, I have not reached out, nor, nor do I intend to. Obviously. She's I'm busy. Gonna... <laughs> Thank you, yes. So, I, But I just want to clarify that because when I say, hey, I've spoken to 10 coaches this week, people are like, oh, well, you talked to you. No, no, I have not, okay? So I just want to clarify that. But let's make this clear. If a marquee player, a great player, wants to come back, that coach will make sure that it'll work out. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if they don't – because this is what happens here, because some people criticize, well, you're putting the coaches in a bad spot. 
Well, at least in spot softball. I'm just going to speak for softball. I'm not going to speak for baseball. I don't follow the date, you know, how that. But as everybody, I think this happens in every sport uh, to some extent. There's exit interviews when your season ends. And a lot of times what happens with coaches when they go to the player and they say, look, i got to be honest with you. Uh, we don't have really a spot for you. You're not going to play here. Uh, so I'm just going to be up front with you. We just don't think you have a spot here. So you could come back, but if you want to also look elsewhere, feel free. Feel free. And then that kid decides, well, if I'm not going to play here, I'm going to transfer. And that opens up spots. And I'm just, so my point is the players that want to come back, and if they're really good, the coaches will figure that out. They'll yeah. make it happen. They're not just going to say, oh, sorry. I mean, you're our best pitcher, but we don't have anything for you. No, they'll make it work. Now, unfortunately, could it be at the expense of somebody else on the roster that probably wasn't playing? Or could it be at the expense of a future recruit that was incoming, a freshman? Maybe. But that happens anyway. That happens in softball anyway on a normal year. Now they actually have an excuse to say, well, this is why, due to uncertain, you know, unique circumstances. This happens behind closed doors. So, again, that's why I'm confident coaches, while, yes, it's not the most ideal situation, they're used to massaging rosters, especially since we've had the transfer portal implemented in college athletics because, as a coach, you almost have to be ready to adapt because you may lose a kid in a moment's notice to transfer elsewhere or – you might be one that's interested in a kid that's in the transfer portal. So right. you have to constantly be able to be adapting adapting to your roster. The other thing I think that's pretty interesting here is like you mentioned that a lot of the softball people are like, you know, the the you did not believe what a lot of the, the a lot of your colleagues in the softball media world said about how this is just going to let the rich get richer. And and I agree with you on your disagreement on that for for another reason. It's it's that there are only so many positions on a roster, right? So, yep. it, 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 does everyone really think that you know all the best players from, say, the American are gonna are, are gonna find themselves on Big Ten rosters in twenty twenty one? No, those schools are already loaded loaded to begin with. Now, might you see one or two possibly? Right. Yeah, sure, but right. it's it's not gonna turn. It's it's not going to be nearly as much. And by the way, the um, you know schools like UCF, the non-power schools, may actually benefit from it on yes. balance just as much as the power schools are because well, those power schools yeah. want to bring some of those big recruits in, and some senior who you know was okay for them might actually be really good for a school like UCF or Memphis or not Memphis doesn't have stuff, but. but or well, or, or some other school at the American, or maybe a smaller school closer to their home. You know, they might be able to take advantage of that and actually improve their roster for 2021, right? Yeah, I mean, look, let's use UCF for example, okay? Because I know the the one name that has already been thrown at me since this came down is Aaliyah White, right? Senior pitcher, uh, was on the verge of breaking the wins record and things like that, which is a whole other subject. Softball, some softball people are upset about the fact that stamps are going to count this year. And they think there should be asterisks towards records. I think that's nonsense. Uh, college athletics, I mean, nobody complains about college football records being broken when they're playing more games. That's stupid. But um, let's take UCF, for example. Why I think this is not like, oh, the, the, there's a UCF was going to lose Aaliyah White after this year. She was going to graduate, right? Now, do they have good pitchers coming back in theory for next year? Yeah. Is anybody as good as Aaliyah White? I don't know. 
You can't assume they're going to be better because, you know, they don't have a Leah White. Well, guess what now? Potentially, they'll have a Leah White for another year. That makes you better. You're a better team. And I think that's what's going to happen. I actually think, uh, and I can't speak again for baseball. Baseball is unique. But uh, I think you're going to see teams that are much more stacked. And to your point, every team has different situations. Some teams have not many seniors. Some teams do. So like an Alabama softball, I think they have like seven or eight seniors. Is he really going to be able to bring all eight uh, seniors back? Probably not. Um, So they're going to lose some kids. Uh, Some teams will be able to. So I actually think this creates more parity, not less parity in softball. And I think uh, I I actually think it helps the mid-majors. And the smaller schools are – I talked to some of the schools and the coach in the the Patriot League. They're actually ecstatic because – a kid that they were going to lose to graduation. I mean, think about it. If you have a star pitcher in the Patriot League, you don't just replace them in one year. Usually you have to develop them. Now you get them for another year, you're actually going to be better off than you thought you would be next year. So I actually think this, the, the whole product on the field, and I think Murph, if, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Greg Lovelady even mentioned that, that he thinks the product overall is going to be better because of all this stuff that's going on. Now, another thing to keep in mind if a senior comes back to that school, they don't count towards, at least in softball, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's the same in baseball, Murph. They don't yeah, count towards yeah. that number of, of uh, scholarships. Uh, they do not count that. But if they transfer, they do count as a scholarship to that school they go to. So I think that's important also to bring up. So, yeah, Eric, you're right. The, the seniors will not count uh, with, you know, in college baseball, the 35-man rosters – and you have 11.7 scholarships that must be split among 27 players. 27 of the 35 must be on scholarship, and each of those 27 have to uh, receive at least 25% of a scholarship. I know that's a lot of numbers, but the seniors won't count for any of that. If they put them on scholarship for as much as they were worth last year, all the way between zero and up to what they were worth, and they will not count if they come back against the 35-man roster limit either. Um, so, I mean, it's, 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 like we talked about, we'll see how many seniors can take advantage of it because they might have other things lined up or they just can't afford to, if they get their scholarship taken away, they may not be able to afford it, but we'll see what happens. But like Lovelady said that it's going to make a better game. He's right because not only would you have more college players coming back because of the eligibility, but now you're going to have more high school players entering the college ranks, kids who might think they, they would be a, a sixth or seventh round pick. Are now not going to take the chance of uh, you know or, you know if, if they're going to be only, if their only options are take twenty thousand now or go to college they're probably going to wait a few years and go to college uh, instead of starting their pro careers. You might see some kids in high school go to, go to the pros now, some kids in college will go to the pros now just to start their career and see what happens. But you're gonna, you're going to have a lot of high quality, not the elites of the elites. Those will still get, those kids will still get drafted, but you still have a lot of high quality uh, high school players come to the college game and a lot of really really good college players come back because it's just a short it's just a short draft window uh this year for for major league baseball so as an as a whole the college game benefits just because there's gonna be a, a lot more talent wasn't uh wasn't the wasn't mlb also going to shrink up the draft anyway well they would so the, the, not only not only are they shrinking up this they, yes they've been talking about that for a while no one has thought they would they'd, they'd shrink it down to five rounds uh, and and this does not and and then this crunch this roster crunch which is going to happen this year is not going to end after this season because it seems like the draft for 2021 will only be 20 rounds basically half of what the draft is now so you're going to have another shortened year 
Uh, and maybe maybe the draft stays at 20, 20 to 30 rounds going forward. But that means you're going to have a lot more kids uh, who are not uh, available to play pro ball. They're going to get squeezed out, so some of them might choose to either go to or stay in college. Um, and, and so, you know, yeah, we'll see what 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 the the makings of that are. But it's it's this is not going to be a one. This is not going to be a thing that fixes itself in one year. The, the ramifications of this are going to last for a number of years. And because so many kids are on a roster, that's why there's there's a, a common thought that you're going to see a no penalty transfer window open up this summer for either uh, players on the team who you know don't have, all of a sudden do not have a, a roster spot or or don't or think that they they're they're, they're going to be pushed out of a job because there's so many other players on the team they can go right away to another school and play right away or high school players who maybe get let out of their NLI. Which might happen, yeah. nice. and so because these high school kids sign with a school thinking that they're going to have an opportunity right away to play, and now they may not, so they might be let out of their NLI. You're going to see a ton of transfers in college baseball. It's going to be a crazy summer for that sport. The other but, good thing, right, Murphy? Correct me if I'm wrong on this. The NCAA said that every year they'll look at the roster situation. It's not like, you know, hey, you better figure it out by next year. They'll actually, it'll, it'll be year to year. They will address the roster situation and where they're at at that point right if, if i'm not mistaken correct i mean we this is you know this is a, a obviously a developing situation uh not just in baseball but globally and they'll just sort of play it by ear this is what they planned for 2021 uh but you know going forward yeah things things are subject to change by the way that's not to mention the fact that the the professional baseball agreement between Major League Baseball and the minor leagues is set to expire September 30th, 2020. And that's the whole thing where, you know, was was MLB thinking of, you know, forcing the minors to delete something on the in the neighborhood of, what was it, Murph, like about 40 teams? Yeah, it was a lot. Now, if you want to get cynical, you could obviously say that the move to move the draft from... 40 rounds to 5 to 10 is to basically is a result uh, of that suffocate and starve those other teams and say well sorry you guys don't have enough players you know we don't have enough players to field the team you know so be it now i i have heard that no matter what those those like the the the, the rookie balls and short season a leagues they still think they're going to have enough players to field the team but I, I think the thinking there is that after a while the attrition and the lack of new talent into the system is probably going to cause those programs to fold. And so, yeah, this might actually be something that MLB wants, as sort of diabolical as that sounds. Yeah, and and, and by the way, that is assuming we even have a season this year, which you know we're still not hundred percent sure. Murph. Don't depress Murph anymore. Hey, he's not the only one who's depressed about this, Eric. Listen, Murph's been checking out Korean baseball and scrimmages. All right. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, look, guys, uh, the 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 Lotte Giants are are well, they were. I don't know if they are anymore, but they were scrimmaging each other with no like no fans in the stands, but with like you know, scrim inter squad games. I mean, it's baseball, and then I I watched some horse races. I watched some horse racing from Sweden, which was totally great. Nice. Uh, I will say, look. You and Mark I, Daniels. You and Mark Daniels watching <laughs> horse racing. Why not? What is it? You I, guys in horse racing, you old school dudes. How is horse racing still going on, by the way? Well, it's in Sweden. So I, I, right no, now. I, it, okay. All right. 
There's not, I there's there not one a, in the states, but I could be wrong. It's like it's like only two horses, and they're and they're you know separated by six feet. You know. Uh, so. Yeah, I believe there are a couple of tracks operating, uh, at least a few tracks operating in the U.S. Uh, yeah. Then last but, weekend we had the Florida Derby for the horse racing. Did we? I think it I did in Gulfstream. I think oh, there was a horse race. I thought that. Now, ran, it, I now it wouldn't surprise me. It is Florida. I mean, this yeah. state. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, we did have the Florida Derby, by the way. So I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I have. I don't know if I've come to terms, but I, I am. I have sort of accepted the fact that uh, base. Uh, there may not be a, a major league baseball season. Uh, I understand that because well, there be a Korean baseball at, season, though. I mean, can we have? I there mean, could, there could definitely be a Korean baseball season. They're doing great. Uh, but but not so for us. us. So we can we do a weekly segment where you update us on what's going on in Korea to Japan baseball? Was, probably some like old major leaguers, like someone like I don't know, is Willie Mo Pena still playing somewhere? He might be That's still what playing. You got to look into Shinsu Chu. Segment, talking baseball with Murph. You know, normally this time of year we're talking college UCF. Who are they playing? They were supposed to play Wichita State. Now we could turn it into what's going on in the Korean league transactions. Wait, didn't Ben Lovely go to uh, go to uh, Ben Lively? Didn't Ben Lively go to the Korean League? That's a good oh, question. We need now. to look this up. Oh, yeah, let's go. Uh, the wheels are in motion. He did. Yeah, he did. Oh, oh wow. God. Okay. So we have active UCF players. <laughs> so, so wait. Uh, so yeah. So he's with these Samsung Lions, by the way, which is just an all timer. And you'll be happy to know that Ben Lively did re-up for the 2020 season. So Ooh. Ben Lively is playing on the Samsung Lions in the KBO. That's, that's uh, have, new, uh, you're on the beat. You're on the beat. The Ben Lively beat in the Korean League. You got to write about it. Come on now. Have you, we have UCF baseball content. When does that season start? Uh, so it's not, it's not guaranteed. The window right now is they're looking toward late April. Okay. But it, they at least seem a little bit optimistic about it, right? I mean that you know. Yeah. Oh, I mean, uh, I mean, you had you had Japanese teams that were practicing up until very recently, and they're still aiming to begin their season around the same time. So you could have actual pro baseball uh, being played in Asia uh, this month, uh, which would be outstanding for those for those of us who are starving. You know what's great about you know what's great about this is you have you have teams that are na not named after towns but companies like Kia, yeah. Samsung, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, what else? LG. <laughs> this, yes, this is great. I, I need this in my life right now. <laughs> so. Ladies and gentlemen, the Black and Gold Banner Podcast, your home for Korean baseball. That's right. <laughs> we will Let's be breaking down. We'll be breaking down what the. Uh, what the uh, Samsung Lions do against the Lotte Seriously, Giants and the links to regular season games, send it our way. Send it our way. We will do the Kia it Tigers. <laughs> this is, this is fantastic. I, I want to know if Ben Lively did last year. Yeah. Can you pitch? <laughs> All right. Well, while you look at that, Murph, we're going to take a break. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm busy. And I'm busy. Uh, when we return, we're going to talk about college football and the open question that is whether or not we may have a season in 2020. Um, uh, and what an upbeat episode this has been I, so far. Well, I mean, hey, well, there might be some changes afoot in college football. You know, we talked about it before about we like to joke about, you know, oh, oh, why does this school even have a program? Well, if things go sideways, there might be college football might look a lot different the next time we see uh, football players on the gridiron. So stick around. We'll talk about that more when we return. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. 
We're back here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, and uh, uh, Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy, Eric Lopez with you. Brian, uh, during our break, found Ben Lively's statistics in the Korean Baseball League. Uh, Murph, what were you able to uh, what were you able to determine with your uh, crack investigation skills? Well, former UCF baseball pitcher and former Philadelphia Philly Ben Lively, who's been pitching for the Samsung Lions since 2019, he made uh, nine starts last year for the Samsung Lions. He went four and four with a 3.95 ERA and a 1.12 WHIP. Uh, I would say the highlight of his season was back on August 20th, in which he uh, had a complete game shutout with 12 Ks against the uh, Hanwha. I, think, I believe it's the Hanwha Lions. Is that correct? Wait, Hanwha, it's, Hanwha it's, Eagles. Hanwha, excuse yeah. me. But he had a complete game shutout back in August against the Hanwha Eagles. 12 Ks, no walks for Ben Lively. Uh, I just love the fact they're letting starting pitchers throw a complete game. We don't even get that in the States anymore. I mean, come on. Oh, come on. Threw a complete game in 104 pitches. He almost threw a Maddox. (laughs) That's not bad. They play at the the, uh, Daegu Samsung Lions Park in Daegu, South Korea, for anyone who's interested. Um, Let's talk football. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... Earlier this uh, earlier this week, we heard from Danny White. He spoke to uh, the Orlando Sentinel, uh, Matt Marshall, and uh, uh, Mike Bianchi were in on it and answered a couple questions about how coronavirus has been uh, changing things at UCF. And uh, and some interesting things came off of that. The first thing that I think everyone took way out of context was Danny White. Uh, th- floating the idea of bailouts for college football programs which is just not going to happen um the uh it's something i I don't even know why everyone picked that up and ran with it because i don't think that was what he was insinuating at all um but one thing i do want to talk about at least for the purposes of here is let's say college football gets delayed and let's say as we flatten the curve right um we still can't have large gatherings of uh, people yeah. uh, for the fall, you know, because that's certainly a possibility. Um, what might the college football season in 2020 or possibly 2021 look like? Uh, so starting off with uh, Brett McMurphy, who works for Stadium now, uh, threw out the idea that, by the way, he and his colleagues at Stadium, uh, I will say, did a very fine job reaching out to um 112 athletic directors uh, within uh, the football bowl subdivision, uh, and we'll link this in the in the show's description. But um, there are th- all kinds of ideas getting thrown out there: nine game regular season, conference only regular seasons, or um, a 12 game regular season that was divided by the f- over the fall and the spring, kind of like what they were trying to do with soccer and what they do what they do do with uh, with tennis and golf, for example. Um, the semifinals and title game for the conference college football playoffs being played in May or possibly even June that late, like making football a spring sport for one year. There's all kinds of things that are, that are, that, that are on the table here. And, um, my question is, how would this, how would this apply to UCF? Because, to me, UCF's program is right on the is right on the knife's edge. Okay, you have 
a school that is approaching power conference status, or at least trying to when it comes to um, uh, finances, but is not quite there yet. It's still, it's still, things are still tight for Danny White and UCF's, uh, and, and UCF's overall um, financial situation. So, how would this affect UCF? Let's say we don't have a regular football season in the fall of 2020. Let's say we have it in the spring of 2021. I should I should clarify. What does that do for UCF? Could that be could could that it, does it become a net you know if overall wash or could that hurt schools like UCF financially? I don't know, Murph. What do you think? No, I. I Think you're saying if they don't have it at all, if they have no. Season? No, if they if they do have it in the spring, for example, uh, it's it's gonna hurt for a while because the money you expect to 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 be there is not gonna is gonna be basically deferred, right? It's gonna be delayed. So uh, it's gonna be uh, yeah, it's gonna hurt. I I don't understand the nature of the question. Is it gonna be like a death penalty? I don't think for I don't think it'll be a death penalty for like programs like obviously because football money. Uh, lifts up so many other programs. The money from that is, is you know, is king. Um, but if, if they can at least get uh, a, a football season into the spring of of 2021, it would it would then at least I would say, you know be a, a solve for for some of the for some of the issues. But that would make this year this fall really really difficult. It would lead to a lot of challenges. And so I but I, I don't think those challenges as long as they could get a, a season on. I think before next fall, before the fall of 2021, they could probably make up that difference. Um, but just the, the the time window they're going to have to wait is going to be really painful. What about you, Eric? What do you think about you know what this would what the, moving the season would do to programs at UCF's level financially or perhaps below? I think it depends, and and here's the problem, and you know, and it's I've been amused by you know McMurphy and all these guys, and this all started when Kurt Herbstreit came out and said, hey, I don't think we're gonna have a season, and everybody freaked out, and then you know Matt Hayes was on with Mark and Mike, I don't, guys, it's looking pretty bleak, I don't know, and then today, oh no, we could we could do it, you know, here's the problem that college athletics has, pro sports like the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, they could play without fans in the building and be fine because most of their money the money that they're really if those leagues come back at all and play this year and i don't want to get into are you an optimist about that pessimist whatever if they play part a big part of it is that tv revenue for example the nba if 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 the nba does not finish their season they stand to lose up to 700 to a billion dollars of money uh espn and turner are slated to lose about 700 million in that if the nba season doesn't complete so there's motivation to get something finished it doesn't have to be in a full building a problem the college football will say they have two problems for example in ucf's case it's not good enough to just have a college football season you could play it but are you going to have fans or you're not going to have fans because that money in the gate is important to a lot of college football programs. You don't have that big TV deal that, say, an SEC does or a Big Ten does. So the, the SEC and the Big Ten will be fine. But if you're UCF, you 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 know you you would prefer to have people in the stands paying money. So you make that's where you make your revenue. If you can 
if you can play, but you can't play with in front of fans, which is a high probability, that's a problem because we're you know you're not going to be slated to have great TV slots in the spring. I hate to break it to administrations. You're not going to have your sweet spot TV spots in the spring or even maybe this fall, the way sports is lining up because the NFL is king. So whenever the NFL plays, they get priority. And then the NBA will get priority. And then all these other things get priority. So I think college athletics has that problem, not to mention until a campus is actually open there's nothing you can do. And I don't know when that's going to be. Nobody knows when that's going to be. And that's why you're seeing all these stories coming out, because these administrators are freaking out. Yeah, I, well, I mean, they're freaking out because they, they have to think about this stuff, right? I mean, they have, you know, that's their job is to is to play this, you know, 10, 15 moves out into the future. I think it would be lunacy to have... You know, if if students are not allowed to be on the campuses as regular, all of a sudden you're going to make an exception for student athletes. I think that would be I, that would be enough, a very might, if they get to that. I mean, that would be a thing. very very bad look for the NCAA, though. Well, I, I, well, I, but this is the problem. College, NCAA doesn't run college football, and that's what I'm saying. And I think this is the other issue. Everybody does their own thing. So Alabama might do something different than UCF does. I wouldn't even be shocked, guys, if you had a situation where certain conferences don't even play this year. Like, if you're the MAC, you're losing money on football. Is there real motivation to play football? Probably not, whereas the SEC is obviously motivated. There might be other places they are like, it ain't worth it. So, now, I do think we'll have some sort of football, whether it be later in the fall, maybe in the spring, but I don't think it's as simple as everybody thinks it is. There's a lot of hurdles to jump for that more so than even pro sports and i i just i just don't think i i think we're gonna have a season but i don't think it's a season that people think i think it's gonna be a completely different thing than that's what's on schedule and that's okay i think the administrators as i've talked to some administrators this week as well uh as long as they get some sort of a football season again this is a case-by-case situation then they'll be fine if there is no college football this year by anybody there will be a lot of casualties in college athletics. And I'm talking about programs, not football, but other programs in that college athletics going bye-bye. And I think it, it'll be very ugly. Yeah, well, that that would be my next question is, it, it, even if, say, we have a truncated or shrunken college football season that plays in the spring, you might see, you might indeed say some conferences be like, guys, it's not worth it. Um, right. Could could we see a situation where this would accelerate what we've been talking about for years, which is another massive round of conference realignment, um, and maybe some maybe some lower tier, you know, FBS schools either dropping football or dropping the level of football that they play at uh, down to FCS or what have you, because I mean, we might see some of those smaller programs at FCS move down to division two. I remember after Katrina, for example, when the university of new Orleans couldn't play, they dropped down from division one to division three for a period of time. Um, uh, Tulane managed to stay, to stay afloat, but, um, but that was one example of what happened. Idaho actually dropped down from, they were the first program ever to drop down from, FBS proper to FCS. Um, I don't know. C- could we see that happen? And who do you think would be 
the programs, let's just keep it in the American, for example. What programs in the American would be looking at this and thinking, man, if this thing goes sideways, we have some big decisions to make? Well, I think Tulsa comes to mind. Small yeah. school. Immediately. Doesn't draw, right? I think they, they, they are nervous. I think Tulane, you could argue. I mean, Murph, you've been to Tulane more recent, obviously. You could speak better on that. I mean, I know they got the new stadium, but it's not like there's big support for football there. I mean, this is yeah. the thing, too, and, it, and, and this is the thing, right? And this is what's going to drive me nuts. You know, everybody says, oh, well, football's your moneymaker. You know, it provides for all your college athletics. Yeah, if you're successful, but if you're not, it's also drains on you. And, that, yeah. I, I, and I agree with you on this, Jeff. There's too many pro schools that play football, way too many. And I think you will see more. I think if there's no college football, and again, hopefully that's not the case, I think we will have some sort of a season but if there's not, I think you will see. Like I was told by somebody who is in this works in the Sun Belt, if there's no college football this year in the Sun Belt, there's real questions whether the Sun Belt as we know it will even exist within a year or two. So because yeah. they don't have a lot of money um, at all, and I don't buy this realignment thing because it ain't like TV networks are going to be like, hey guys, I want to let's spend some money right now. No, they're like we just lost a lot of money. We, if anything, I think that I think what the, the, the more likely scenarios you're going to see uh, a lot of programs kind of drop off, and that might even include some in the Power Five. Let's not act like the Power Five is power approved because if you're the Pac-12, yeah. you're the Pac-12, and all the issues you've had with your distribution with the Pac-12 network, I wouldn't feel great if I was in the Pac-12. We've always said this. There has always been this mythical theory out there about the power four eventually going to a power four we might be seeing this before this decade ends if the pac-12 if there's no football here the pac-12 could be in serious trouble and i think that's so this is not just a hey sunbelt matt this could go all the way to the pac-12 for example um and things like that so i i think that's the more likely scenario and i think you'll see contractions of sports i think it's going to be very ugly because people are like, why don't you touch football? Football, they try to protect them. Now, I do think these – these, these, uh, I will say this. No, uh, for these administrators, they also like to make it sound like they're really poor when they're really not. They can – you know, as Jay Billis said in an interview this week, yeah, they, they might run out of money in their right pocket, but all they do is they're serving it to the left pocket. So they really – you know – like, let's be honest. There's certain facilities that keep getting built by these universities that are probably a waste of time of money that probably should go bye bye in the future. Um, well, that's it. But that's isn't that the other issue though? Is that remember these these athletic departments are nonprofits, okay? Yeah. Which which yeah. means that they have to they, they try to they try their best obviously in order to avoid tax penalties to spend all the money and revenue that they get. I mean, yeah, they make a lot of money. Obviously, that's that's there's no doubt about that. But their expenses are also high. They they're not supposed to make money uh, in terms of turning a profit, yeah. right? Correct, correct. But I mean, some would argue, why should football have eighty five scholarships? Why why do the football staff have to recruit and travel and spend money traveling all through spring? Because that's just the way it is, right? I mean, there are ways you can cut. Uh, un unnecessary budgets, right? Like, hey, volleyball, guess what? You're going to play within your region. No, you're not going to get to go to Canada. You're not going to go to Hawaii. 
No. Guess what? No conference tournament. Softball. Guess what? You're not going to fly beyond your – I think there are ways I would like to think, and I think we saw this this week with Iowa State. They've already on the uh, – they've already said, hey, a, a lot of their coaches are taking pay cuts, uh, which I think is smart. Mm-hmm. That's like that's like one of the first schools that you think of when you're like, okay. Correct. Yep. But I think and it, uh, what I hate is a lot of schools, just, the easy thing to do is get rid of a sport. Get rid of ah, screw it. Nobody cares. But in reality, if everybody works together, you can survive all the sports. You can be fine. There's just certain things that you look back and you're like, man, that's, is that really necessary? You really like – and I think hopefully what I hope that comes out of this is that is that a lot of schools look back and say, you know what? I don't need to – we don't need that, you know, that extra coordinator, quality control guy that brings the coffee to do the da, da. We don't need all that. And I speak this for every sport. There's probably something that every program has in every sport that you're like, is that really necessary? Like, do we really need to do that? So I hope that's what happens and not more casualties as far as people losing jobs or sports being contracted. And I'm not talking, you know, beyond football. I'm talking about like, you know, softball, tennis, golf, baseball. I mean, who knows? Uh, Hopefully we don't get to that. But I do think we will see a different college athletics than we've seen. And I do think, Jeff, to your point, I think we'll see some programs go down to FCS level. Brian, when you look at this this whole thing and, and what may happen when you blow holes in budgets like this, the... What? Oh, go ahead. Well, the, I, I guess I know you're allergic to speculation, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to do it anyway. Yeah. The what do you see as I guess you know not just UCF's point, but what we could see in the next because this this isn't gonna the reverberations from this are not gonna happen immediately. They're gonna happen three to five years down the road, and especially Eric, like we talked about many times with that upcoming slate of TV deals that's gonna be coming up. That might be another driver behind this. Yeah, so, well, you know what's funny? What's funny is everybody's the people that were ripping Mike Oresco for the length of the term of that American conference deal. Looks really smart that might now, have doesn't been it? been the smartest thing. Yeah, it looks pretty smart now, doesn't it? Because at yeah. least you, that's – there's other leagues that don't have security. So at least if you're an American conference member, you know that's the money you've got coming in as we move forward. It's not like, oh, we're going to be in a new deal here soon. Uh-oh. Yeah. So at least – you have some stability in that regard moving forward, but other leagues can't say that. Murph, what do you think? Like, what's the one thing that you look at and you're like, if I if this starts happening, man, the dominoes are going to start falling. As far as uh, as what do you mean? As far as if you as, as far as like major movement in in college football and college sports, you know, teams moving down, maybe teams, uh, maybe schools folding football altogether. Well, I mean, but that. That that's a that's a uh, that's a, a product of a previous event. I, I mean, uh, yeah, if, if that happens, then we're already. If, if that happens, I think we're already screwed. There will be a, there will be a moment before that where you can sort of forecast it. We haven't reached that time yet, though. We haven't reached that point where we can say like that. You know, the, the, this is going to happen. Uh, but maybe give us like until really give us until maybe July. I, yeah, and if, yeah, if, yeah. If, we're, if we're if we're if we're in the same predicament now, now as we are, we'll be in July. If it, if nothing has really changed, if we're still on uh, basically quarantine life, and no one's allowed to go on campus, and no one's allowed to recruit, and no one's allowed to really be anywhere in groups, 
then you're going to say, wow, this is we have reached a point of no return. It is now going to be a death nail. I just think for UC, I think for UCF, I'd be interested to see how they could sort of deal with it, and and if they can survive because UCF, while not being a a, a power five, is not in the Sun Belt and is not uh, the lower end of the group of five. Can they survive a basically what you know like winter is coming? Can they survive a, an actual winter with no football till the spring? without sacrificing any of their programs. I think that's something that I don't know yet. And even if the, the season is, if the season comes to be canceled in the fall, I, I mean, possibly, but I, for UCF, maybe it's a little different because they do have more backing. They have more money. They, they're just bigger, so they have more money. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. But, but I, I, don't, I don't know what domino, you know, what, what will be the, the sort of canary in the coal mine. But we're at least probably a few months away from that, and if we get there, you know, then come back to me. My oh, sense Murph, is, by, by oh, way, go ahead, Murph, Eric. Murph is, I, well, I just want to applaud Murph because I've, I have been annoyed with the college football coverage of this in the last week because none of these people. I mean, McMurphy. I mean, the, first of all, these college football media guys are the most cynical, negative people in the world. I mean, doom and gloom anyway. They like the doom and gloom. Hey, speak for yourself. I, I, I'm just saying. I mean, I mean, you know. But Mar- Merv's right. Nobody knows what the heck's going to happen in the next three weeks, let alone two months. So I feel like we're jumping the gun here on things that we just don't know what the heck's going to happen. Unfortunately, well, I will say, well, it gun, gun to my head. Gun to my head. I would say I'm not optimistic because uh, you look at what like the city of Toronto did. With banning crowds for banning all city-led uh, sure, events. Right, 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 but, right, right, right. But again, but we don't know for sure, right, Murph? I mean, we don't a hundred percent sure. I tend no, to agree with you, Murph. I don't said know. when when this whole when the sports got canceled, I think I said I don't expect a fan to be at a sporting event the rest of the year. I I still believe that. Hope I'm wrong, but I don't see. I don't know how. I don't see a scenario where how someone can justify saying, yeah, no, we're cool. Let's have 100,000 people at Ann Arbor for a football game. I, I don't – how do you justify that unless – now, but again, this is the beauty of it. We don't know what the heck's coming. Maybe we have treatment that we don't know about now or, or might know. That There might be treatment that says, you know what, this treatment will help you. You can go ahead now and have a normal life. We don't know. That's the – you know, we don't know. We have to let it play out. I think the approach to take is what the NFL has done. The NFL is proceeding as is, normal schedule. And they're not going to speculate, hey, what if there's a season? No, we're not going to speculate. We're planning on having a season. When we have to adjust, we will adjust. And I think if I'm the college people, I would be thinking about all your options secretly, but I would stop talking to the media about, oh, woe is us, and all that crap. I I kind of agree with that. I'm I'm sure the NFL has uh, plan Bs through plan Ns right now. Yes. With what with what's going on, but they're not saying it publicly. Now, publicly, what they are saying makes them sound like ignorant and sort of deaf to the to the to, to the the current climate. But I kind of understand it in terms of a PR standpoint. Well, uh, are, is it that, or, to- or are they just are they that, or are they perceiving optimism? I mean, you can. It depends on are you a half bottle? Uh, is your glass half empty, half full? There's some people that would say that gives them some positivity, right? And we need well, that, and just in general. People right now need something positive. Hey, it's you know, I remember Keith Oberman did an interview this week with Paul Fi last week with Paul Feinbaum, and he spoke about 9/11, and there was a cop in New York, 
that stopped him and said, hey, uh, do you think that my Braves can catch the, the – or can the Mets catch the Braves? And Keith was surprised by that answer. He's like, "What? that's kind of an you know, irrelevant question right now with everything that's going on. And the cop said, no, you're right. That, it, it doesn't matter. But I just thinking like that helps me get through a day. So right now there's a lot of people that are concerned about unemployment. They, they need something positive. And if it's just a false thing or whatever, the fact right. that, hey, maybe there will be an NFL season, I think does give some people optimism and hope and help them get through this. I don't think that's a bad thing. No, I, I agree, but I, I wouldn't say that it's an intrinsic optimism. I believe that behind it is a, just a, a private thing of, like, publicly we're going to say one thing, privately we have to plan for another. Um, and I, I don't agree. I, I don't think that they would be so brazen and ignorant to not plan for a possible cancellation or postponement of the season, but they're not saying it publicly so people are taking their shots at the NFL because it makes them sound ignorant. However, like you're saying, maybe they're just trying to be optimistic for the sake of their audience at large because they, they don't want to add on to all of the other things that we're missing right now. But hopefully, privately, they are planning to Agreed. not Agreed. have Agreed. a season. Agreed. And I also want to say this. I don't want to hear a college coach or administrator say, you know, our kids need a month of, you know, we got to prepare to – with everybody that what's going on right now, nobody wants to hear about, oh, you know, our kid needs, you know, he needs weightlifting right now. He's, he's out of shape. Okay, if it comes to that point where, you know what, if your fall practice is canceled, if you only have a month to prepare, deal with it. Adapt to it. All right? Stop whining about it. There's more important things to worry about than, oh, my God, I have a football team and I only have three weeks to prepare. Please. Again, and also, like, this is a sports podcast, but I think the gym, I think the the larger point that you're sort of poking at there is this is not like terribly important to the the general aspect of global politics and global social uh, structures. I mean, this is this is this is right, that's why, like I'm saying, like I think I, I really do think the, the less you say if you're a sport right now, the better. Don't don't be speculating. Hey, we could be in big trouble. if There's no season. Well, of course, you're in trouble. We know that. But stop spreading that out because now what happens is. You get people more ticked off, and you get college football people like, what do you mean we're not going to have So we don't need that right now. So just stop talking to the to McMurphy. Turn off his – if he calls you, shut it down. Just don't answer. Shut don't answer. Just, but if we call you, please answer because we need the content. Yes. You know, I mean, that's you – know, I'm not going to lie to you here. Like, we, you know, we need to, we need to hear from like people. I said, look, 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 let's hope that we have – uh, you know, I mean, we've kind of dan- – could they, you know, they could do, I, I think there will be a college football season of some sorts. I think it, whether it be later in the fall, in the spring, probably, maybe, because they, you know, hopefully. Uh, but I think there are some interesting logistics with that. I was talking to somebody who works in college athletics, because if you move football to the spring, odds are you have, now you have football, men's basketball, women's basketball, softball, yeah. baseball. I mean, it, it would be, I mean, there, as you guys know, there's a lot of athletic departments, media relations people that, boy, Whew, that's going to be a long spring. Yeah. It's a good problem Eric. to have, but uh, wow. And uh, Good problem to have, you're right. <laughs> Eric, again, hypothetical, let's say college football is played in the spring. Sure. Would, UCF be, would UCF's other programs be able to survive? If there's a football season of some sorts. Yeah, I do. I do. I do think, I do think the sports would survive, but I do think, and I don't think it's, I do think there will be some economic adjustments being made, sure. in terms of, right? I mean, 
And I don't think that's a, a, the worst thing in the world. I, I, I'd like to think that most coaches would be okay taking a pay cut because I'd rather take a pay cut than um, not have a job and a program to run at anymore. So, yeah, I, I think UCF's in a good spot. I think the programs that are in trouble are the conference USA's, the Max, uh, right? You know, and things like that. But you know, hopefully, I, I think UCF would be okay. There might be some adjustments. Uh, you know, hopefully, I, I'd, I'd like to think we wouldn't lose sports, but I do think there would be some restrictions internally as far as hey, we can't do this blankety blank anymore, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey. Yeah. Uh, other other programs can't get chartered planes to events or right. you know, it does it, it does feel like to me that like UCF is kind of a is kind of a bellwether between the schools that can financially take the hit and the schools that can't um i i tend to be optimistic about UCF individually speaking since you know it's a gigantic major public school there's enough financial resources there to take the hit um that's not to say that a hit won't be taken of some kind what that looks like i have no idea i i would be really worried like i said if i were you know smu a small private school or you know or uh you know obviously you mentioned tulsa tulane um you know, it, it, I, I, it, it, that's where I think the American becomes the the interesting again. The the biggest stories in football are in the American Athletic Conference right now because what is this conference going to look like when things get back to normal? If they well, get it, back to normal. Well, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing. The last three years of football, I think, is one of the reasons why I feel pretty good because they revenue wise. Yeah. Probably through the roof, right? With the last three years, with 2017, with the success they've had, we've seen the stadiums pretty much full, the cabanas. So I think they've made a lot of money. If they had a couple seasons like they did in 2015, I wouldn't be as optimistic. That's true. That's very true. All right. Uh, let's wrap this thing up. I mean, I hope you guys, uh, you know, first of all, my hope for everybody who's listening is that you continue to stay safe. Obviously, we're now on a, on a statewide um, uh, shelter in place right now. Um, but my hope is that at least we give you, you know, a, an hour plus of, uh, uh, of time to get through it as, uh, as hard as it is, because we're all dealing with our own issues, trying to deal with it. Murph, you're in, you live downtown, right? So like, you know, you're, you know, I, I mean, you're in a pretty, uh, um, you know, pretty populous area right now. It's probably a ghost town down there, isn't it? Uh, not as much as you think. Really? <laughs> well, listen, Wall Street ain't open. I know that much. I mean, look, okay, so, again, uh, and I, I'm not trying to rustle feathers here. I'm not trying to be contrarian. Uh, I mean, if you listen to uh, Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, people at CDC, it is okay to go outside. It is totally fine to, like, walk your dog and take a jog. Uh, just don't, like, do it with other people. Don't be next to people for a long period of time. If you're running on a bike path, try to maintain six feet of distance with everybody, even as you're running. You know, I, and actually, I did this. So, guys, confession: I've been running outside because I'm not going to be inside. I cannot be inside all day. I'd lose my mind, and I need to, I need to get fresh air. And it's an interesting running around Lake Eola. Uh, when you pass somebody on the path around the lake, uh, people are very cognizant of this. And either you or the person that you're kind of running toward 
you guys will naturally separate. Uh, we'll naturally separate from each other. So we, you maintain some distance. You really do, do not see people running next to each other. Uh, people are not really walking together. There are still a lot of people walking around and running around and riding their bike and walking their dog. And I think that's totally fine. I mean, all the experts said it's totally fine. So I'm cool with that. Uh, and, but it, it is interesting that even though you're still out there, I think people are still observing the 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 standards of separation and, and not and 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 no group activity. And, um, and as long as that holds up and people continue to follow the standards of not touching your face and washing your hands and making sure every other foreign you know foreign object, metallic object you touch, you do so with. Uh, with either the back of your hand, or if you have to touch it with your hand, then wash it immediately, or carry a carry a sanitizer on you. If that all happens, then then you will be fine. You can go outside. Eric, did you? Well, the good, I, news, well, well, the good news, Murph, is you should be we we should be used to that because every time Trace comes to greet us, he just he, he keeps his long distance away from us anyway. So we should be <laughs> that he Trace has actually helped us prepare for this. Trace knew the future about this. He did. Trace. Someone check on Trace, man. Yes. He should be. He's thriving on this, man. He's used to this. He's he was he he cre- he invented uh, uh, social distancing before social distancing was even the, uh, the, the trending. <laughs> Quar- quarantine has allowed me to tell Trace what movies he should watch. Which, by the way, I am currently on day eleven of watching a movie a day. I have sixty three uh, other films on my list, and I think I might be able to finish it by the time we're all yeah, done. He sounded here. like he didn't like your recommendation of Rocky. But... Well, no, no, no. No, and okay, okay, that's a sports thing. Can we get into this? Can we get into this? Okay, all right, I'll allow it. Go ahead. Quickly, yes. Trace, Trace thought Rocky was boring, quote unquote, so boring. What? That's a fret. That's the a hot take. I'm not gonna lie. That's a hot take. The man does not understand that Rocky, Rocky is not a boxing film. It is not Cinderella Man. It is not a film that contains a lot of boxing. It is a story about a boxer and his life and his, his underdog story to becoming, you know, recognized and celebrated. A guy from, the, you know, the inner city of Philadelphia to becoming somebody. somebody you know, a guy who was nobody becomes somebody. The local hero triumphs. It's about, you know, it's about triumphing, triumphing under adversity and, 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 the, and the very popular underdog story. And yet he misses all of that to say it's boring. I, the man does not understand story building. It blew my mind. It, I can't. I never heard anybody say that. So that was nuts. By the way, uh, Rocky two through five are on my list to also rewatch, which I'll be doing. Well, here why are you gonna watch five? <laughs> Don't waste your time on five. Come on. Uh, listen, you have no. You. I think you have to prepare yourself for you know for you know for the more recent Rocky movies. You know with. Rocky Balboa and Creed and all that. You have to you have to get it in there. It's like I, you, you have to pay the price to get to the good stuff, right? The only, the only two I saw were Rocky and Creed. So Rocky, I've never seen Rocky two through. I know I know parts of Rocky, you know, two through four or five. I know like you know I know Dolph Lundgren and Mr. T and all that stuff, but I haven't seen the actual film, so I'm gonna watch that. I, I have sort of I've sort of. Um, cultivated a wide base of films I, I watched a film that was released last year and then yesterday i watched uh duck soup which is the really famous marx brothers film from 1933 wow you're really uh, throwing it back really, Woo. just still wow. really funny i mean if, if you like you know airplane and naked gun uh and, and those kind of films it's just a straight line from those films to to the marx brothers in the 30s it was great now 
there's also, as I'm going through these films, as I'm going through Rocky, as I'm going through uh, uh, Duck Soup or The Breakfast Club, it's amazing to sort of watch these films and point out because we're so we're so on we're so on uh, on alarm for it. Point out all of the socially unacceptable dialogue and actions of of the characters. Like there's a point in Rocky where Rocky kind of becomes a bit of a sexual predator, and that is not being a hot take artist. There's a really what? uncomfortable scene where Rocky's kind what? of a, a sexual predator. What yeah. movie is it? What what scene? What? Rocky. Yeah, he he is a, he does come on uh, overly strong to uh, Adrian at that one part, and that's uh, yeah. n- nowadays not really no, not kosher. Rocky. Yeah, that way they wouldn't. Uh, that, that, yeah, that doesn't age well. Yeah. You know, he tried like Adrian tries to leave, right? She wants to go home. I gotta go home. I gotta go home. She's being actually more. She's being more demonstrative in that scene than we'd ever seen her, and he keeps saying, "No, stay with me. Stay with me. Stay here. Stay here." And then actively blocks the door with his arm and like basically just smothers her with a kiss and she sort of falls into his arms and they and they make out but holy crap that that is an uncomfortable scene to watch but yeah. again as you kind of go through all these films and like certainly like going back to the march brothers of the 30s there are some there's some there's some really insensitive dialogue in there because it's the 30s and you know <laughs> menstrual, menstrual shows were still popular and still thought it was a cool thing um, so yeah. Well, first of all, uh, I, I gotta uh, I gotta applaud you with the duck soup reference on this show, man. Wait, we wait, have so Murphy, run the we have run the cultural gamut here. So you're watching all these movies. You're going outside, getting some fresh air. How did you do? How did you sneak in on interview with Johnny Dawkins during all this? It <laughs> was not not hard. And I would like to say this: Johnny was Johnny seemed uh, as excited to talk to me as I was to him. So that was well, nice. that's good to hear. Uh, it was nice. As, you know, there's nothing else going on, uh, so it was nice to talk to him and talk to Love and and you know I, I didn't bring it up during, while we, during our baseball segment, but I'm I'm trying to get in contact with some of the baseball players, uh, specifically the seniors like Jordan Rathbone or Jalen Whitehead. You know, with with those guys, uh, you know, how do they feel about the extra year? But more importantly, will they be able to take advantage of it? I mean, they are. This would be their sixth year in college if they came back. Can they? You know. Can they afford to do it? And then, obviously, I have not. I have not talked to Lovelady since the decision came down. I'd love to hear what he thinks about. I know he's. I know he's for it. I know he wants. I know he he likes what they did as far as giving the guys an extra year of eligibility. But I also like to hear him talk about what, what kind of madness and craziness and sort of frustration there's going to be because there's going to be so many moving parts and uh, uh, so many guys on this team and uh, you know who wants to leave, who can you play, who can you afford. Um, all that stuff that he really needs to figure out. I, I, I look forward to talking to him about that, and hopefully that happens. I hope that happens within a week. Cool, Elo. You, uh, you meanwhile have been, uh, like I said, a model citizen, looking after, looking after your folks. And uh, uh, can I order meantime, delivery? Am I allowed? To, can I order? Is that safe, Merv? I mean, any other <laughs> advice? Can I order food? I mean, can I? Uh... Uh, you can it. order food. It's okay if you go out, go out actually open the door and accept it from the carrier. You can do that. I oh, swear no, it's okay. No, I no. Mean, no. We're, just, we're, we're leaving it at the door. Leaving it. That's been my instructions. Leave it at the yeah. door. My my challenge to you is to go outside. My my <laughs> my challenge has been. Maybe I'll do the show next week from the, my backyard. Would that count? Not bad. <laughs> that counts. The weather's been nice the last couple days. My oh, my, my thing is this. All right, so I. You guys know I, I teach online classes at Full Sail full-time. I, I, I've gotten no break. And 
in addition to this, I'm also teaching my son. He's in kindergarten, so uh, and he and he goes to uh, to public school. So, like, I'm also having to teach him. Let me tell you something. Now, I am an educator. I know, you know, how hard this this job is. And let me tell you something. And, and I have I have always throughout my life. I mean, I am where I am because of the teachers that I had when I was in elementary, middle, and high school. I owe tremendous amount of credit to them. And let me tell you, something, I, I've never in my life thought that their job was easy. I know for a fact it's not. It's one of the hardest jobs in the world. I'd never realized exactly how hard it was until I tried to convince my son to draw a cow. <laughs> let me tell Let me tell you something. You public school teachers out there, you know I... I will rush to your defense, but to all those people out there who are listening to this, who are like, ah, public school teachers, they always get the summer off, you can shut up because you don't know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> Our public school teachers are freaking angels. They are saints and angels, all of them, and they they deserve, after this, I hope every public school teacher in the United States of America gets a threefold raise because they deserve it. And quite frankly, I still don't think it's enough. So let me tell you something. I, I, so a shout out to all you public school teachers out there who've been busting your tails, um, getting, your, getting your classes online for your students who are all trying to access it, do the best that they can. You guys are the heroes of this age. Along with our, uh, along with our, uh, our our medical professionals as well, who are literally putting themselves in harm's way. My wife is one of them. She's a nurse. Um, you know, now she's not in the ER. She's not in the ICU. But you know, she uh, but she still has to go to work at the hospital every day uh, at, uh, at 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 Arnold Palmer. So um, you know, my you know, I've always you know had a tremendous amount of admiration. But I, it's like you don't even realize what it's like until you really have to do it yourself and uh and man i you know much love out there for the public school teachers so um all right let's wrap this thing up uh we've got uh, a lot going thank you thank you i'll be here all week um we're gonna try and get some more stuff out there i'll, sh I'll be showing you guys hopefully my college football ranking system from last year the results from last year if yeah, if we can get a couple things tweaked, Derek Warden has given me a little a little tips and tricks on this, which I really appreciate. Thank you, Derek. Uh, and thanks to everybody else who has been listening. Thanks to all the guys who've been um, cranking it out, especially you two fellas. And uh, yeah, here's to another week, and we'll just. Hey, who says there's nothing? I, I disagree, Merv. There's not. There is something going on, brother. There's, there's always something. something. Going on. Oh, this yeah. is it's the it's listen it's the weekend baby oh boy it's the ah. perpetual I was gonna say it's the perpetual off season there's always stuff going on in the off season but yeah WrestleMania, WrestleMania. in fact uh, stay tuned uh, where and where all you people where you listen to this podcast me and Murph are gonna have a UCF rewind we're gonna rewind back to a special edition where we go back and talk about Greg Lovelady's first WrestleMania which was in Orlando in WrestleMania 33. Murph did a big feature article about it, and we're going to talk about it on the podcast, and we're going to actually air an interview with Lovelady that we did in 2018 about that whole process and some more, right, Murph? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We 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 sat down, me and Eric, me, you and uh, you and me, Eric, sat down in his office for I believe 40 to 45 minutes and talked about not only Greg's experience 
going to WrestleMania when WrestleMania was here in Orlando at Camping World in 2017, but also his history of growing up as a wrestling fan, how much he still loves it. I mean, this is a guy, this is a guy, Greg Lovelady, who for every Sunday home game, uh, under you know, when he comes to the park, when he comes to John Juliano Park, he is wearing a wrestling T-shirt every Sunday game. Um, so WrestleMania is, WrestleMania is a big deal for him. He's got friends in the business. We've had wrestle, we've had wrestling night uh, at the park before. We had uh, NXT star Matt Riddle throw out the first pitch of a game last year. Um, so wrestling is a big part of Greg Lovelace's life. We talk about that, uh, his history, his fandom, and also what it was like for him to go to a WrestleMania that me and you were also yeah. at. Seeing that coming up uh, on the Black and Gold Banneret. That's going to be fun, and I appreciate, obviously, you guys taking the lead on that one. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, for for Brian and Eric, I'm Jeff. Make sure you listen to us uh, right here at blackandgoldbanneret.com, facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret, and UCF underscore banneret. Guys, continue to stay safe. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jeffrey. And thanks to you for listening. Continue to stay safe out there. All the best. We'll all get through it together. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you with the WrestleMania special later this week.